Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Custom Inc. can help you recognize employees, show customer appreciation, and outfit your teams with your favorite products and brands customized with your logo. At CustomInc.com, you can easily make your mark on all sorts of products, including water bottles, backpacks, polos, jackets, and so much more. Make Custom Inc. your go-to custom gear partner with great customer service, quality products, and all-in pricing, along with personalized help when you need it and an easy-to-use website when you don't. All backed by a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go to CustomInc.com to get started today. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at discounttire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
Welcome to a Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes, and it's great that my two co-hosts are actually smiling, Colin Watt and Brian Degning. Um, I don't know if they're laughing at me or with me or at me, who knows? Um, but let's see if Kevin Graham has got his mic sorted out. Kevin Graham, no, you're silent. Silent but violent. There we go. Right, last night, let's have a wee chat about the game. Brian, obviously you were on the panel uh, last night. We were going into it. I'm going to start with yourself, Colin. We were going into it. There was a bit of trepidation. Um, we were trying to predict the team lines. I don't want to remind you again, but I called it right on Monday. Uh, we seen Abada making his debut. We seen Ralston, the first choice right back. We went into the game prior to kickoff. What was your feelings when the, the team line was read out? Colin, what was there any optimism? Were you looking at it with a with a degree of trepidation? How were you feeling going into the game last night? To be honest, looking at it, it was probably the strongest eleven we could have put out last night. Um, so as it get closer and closer to kickoff, you're starting to get that bit excited just to see um, what may actually happen. You're thinking that there is a core of some very good players at the te- in the squad, sorry, um, and you were excited to see what Abida could do. Um, even guys like Ryan Christie, who hadn't really featured in pre-season, you're mm. wondering why someone like that was coming back in. I have to say, I think he played, um, I thought he actually played pretty well yesterday. Um, I was impressed with him. The only thing is I still want him to work on his set pieces so he can get the ball past the first man, but small steps, we're getting there. Um, and overall, I thought the performance was was fairly decent. Um, some people making some rash mistakes and mm. um, I'm, I'm sure we'll get to that, but a lot of positives to take away from it. And it's just a real shame that we didn't get to see more than 43 minutes of uh, Abida because those balls coming in from the right-hand side was absolutely everything that we were missing last season. Um, and he did look as if he was on form last night. He did, and I think I can hear sterling tones. Uh, talk to me, Kevin. Hello, everybody. Oh, hey. there we go. Hey. You're talking about the experienced member letting you down with, with poor performance. Um, and talking of which, talking of which, I'm going to leave the building uh, and put it over to the pros to talk about last night's game. Welcome to the show, Kevin Graham. And uh, we opened up with uh, Colin's discussion around the fact that it looked like it was the strongest 11. Uh, I'm going to leave the strongest three. I'm going to drop out, and if if you drop it again, Kevin, I'll jump back in. All right, lads. No problem. Thank you. Thank you. Sorry about that, lads, but I'm sweating like near beat on poking a, a, a Danish boy in, <laughs> poking a boy, Danish boy in the heat there. Wow. I just couldn't get my microphone to work there. Everything else was fine, but my microphone was completely not working. Colin, so you were impressed by Aberdeen last night? I was. I, um, I mean, I think it caught a lot of us by surprise because even at the weekend he hadn't received international clearance he was technically playing as a trialist in that game against Preston um, but even in the sort of 5-10 minutes that we saw him there I thought do you know what there's something to come from him and he's someone who's playing with his head up he's looking for the ball he's getting into space and if you look at the goal again he's kind of creeping around the back post unmarked and then makes the cut inside as he knows that Christie's going to hit the shot. So his positional sense is top-notch, and if we continue to see things like that going forward, then this might be one of the best signings we make this summer. It could well be, and I mean, what what do you think? I said last night on the on the broadcast, Brian, that um, I was really disappointed that he went off. I was actually more annoyed about that than near beat on being 
utterly idiotic and getting himself sent off. I was more annoyed that we took off Aberda because I thought it looked like a right, but, uh, bright light. Ah, he looked an absolute handful. Um, he, he was great, he was pacey, he was strong, with a good touch, good awareness, good positional play. Um, he looks like an exciting player. Um, I, I think he was probably the only call Ange could have made to take him off and replace him because I think that he was maybe not the only call, but I think he was probably thinking we can either take Eddie off. Christie's experienced, the midfield's really strong. Abada was probably the one that he could have maybe sacrificed, although in hindsight, you'd probably think had he stayed on, we could have won the game. Um, but not overall, really good. And I think people are getting themselves all excited on Twitter. And um, there, was a, there was a whole lot of people took time out their evening last night to watch a rivals game. We had a lot, a lot of fans across the city watching the game. And we seem to be thinking it's funny that we are celebrating a 1 1 draw at home. But everything's caveated. So we had a, 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 you know, a very flimsy defence. Post call was going to be in for a wee while. Um, and you look, Eddie missed a sitter. Christy hit the post. Christy missed a sitter. We had 17 chances. Mm-hmm. We were by far the better team, regardless of what anyone decides to score for. I think Angie was right in his post match. And um, I think just in a, in a normal historic Celtic Park night, I won the one each draw with the Danes wouldn't be a great result. But given the situation, relatively speaking, I thought it was a good result. On you go, Colin. I was going to say, Kev, just to touch on that, the, the point that uh, Brian made there about the fans being back in, I mean, as much as it hurt not being one of the 9,000 that was there last night, um, it was great to see the crowd back in. You could hear them getting behind the team. Um, look, Hopefully it won't be too long before we're sitting here saying that we're going to every game because it's a full house. Uh, but well done to everybody that, that made it to the game last night. I'm sure you enjoyed that. Uh, and hopefully in the next couple of weeks we'll all get the chance to experience that. Hopefully, hopefully for me, beginning on Saturday, uh, we can get to the West Ham game. Uh, now, I want, want to speak about, I brought up Jared Hackett's comment there. Uh, time to give Anthony Ralston a bit of credit. Many love to criticise him, but he had a very good game last night. And this kind of goes in with Postacoglu's post-match. And I'll read it out to you. I'm getting a lot of... Uh, I'm getting a lot of glass half-empty questions at the moment. I think there was plenty of positives tonight rather than people looking for little things that potentially didn't go right. The midfield worked their socks off. The amount of running that Sorrow, Calmack and Brian Christie did was unbelievable. There is nothing I'm disappointed in tonight. I'm frustrated at, res- at the result because the players didn't get the result I thought they deserved. They think, I mean, we were on the comments last night, Colin, and that as well, and there was a lot of, not negativity, but people were going, this team were easily beating the Rangers 18 months ago, whatever it was, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. We, we should be beating the Danish champions. I thought there was a lot of negativity when there was a lot, lot to be positive about. Do you think Postacoglu was right with his post-match there? Yeah, I mean, apart from the fact that he said we should have picked up the three points, um, I was kind of happy to hear his feedback. I've always thought, listening to him, that his honesty is one of the things that he can basically mark him on. I feel as if he's very honest with the fans, like he kind of admits when things went wrong. I mean, last night he came out and basically said that that team had only played uh, one training session together. So he's been honest, he's telling people, look, this team's not as fit as what 
we want them to be. I will make sure that in eight days' time that they will be. So I like that honesty. I, I like the fact that he's taking the responsibility as well. Um, it's it's nice to see that after um, a kind of last period where it's been a case of, oh, well, I don't know. Um, I'm disappointed, but it's not the players. It's, it's not me. It's this, that, and the next thing. I just like the fact that he's come out. He's took that one on the shoulders and says, look, not quite, quite where we want to be, but we'll get there. And you've got to give him the benefit of the doubt with that. He's done very well in front of the press so far. I think there's players in that lineup who might not be there long term. And I brought up a comment there about uh, Anthony Ralston. I thought Anthony Ralston had a decent enough game last night and all the questions about his future, whether he should have got the chance, should be put to bed. He is going to play next week. I think that I think that's without question. What did you feel about Ralston last night, Brian? Again, I thought he was decent enough. I think I said on the post-match that him and Greg Taylor are quite similar for me. Um, and well, Greg Taylor's a bit better, but that they try so hard and such a good attitude and good work ethic and they put themselves about, but they were found wanting a couple of times. That, you know, they don't have that quickness of thought that I think a lot of the other players have. But they never really done anything wrong. They weren't the sensational either, but I think given the circumstance, they were almost under more pressure than some of the players because if Ralston would have been the one that gets sent off and see the beat on, he'd have been slaughtered. You know, that'd been effectively, you know, the end of the he appeared. So I think he'd done well, relatively speaking. I, I, I wouldn't be doing cartwheels about his performance, but I thought he had a decent game and, as I say, great attitude and seemed like a, a good lad. And listen, the fact of the matter is, the boy plays for Glasgow Celtic and it's something that we would all dream to do. So he's, he's doing something right, I suppose. Yeah, well, we're waiting on uh, Kev to come back in. Um, Brian, so, I mean, you mentioned that about Ralston. Look, I've I've had my say online uh, what I think about Anthony Ralston and I'll say that his performance got better as the game went on he's a very limited player and at no point should we be turning to him as a first choice right back as you said he's someone who clearly is um, he's someone who he gives his all but he's, he's very very limited and I think there's a lot of basics with Anthony Ralston that he doesn't quite get. I mean, the amount of times last night where I felt as if he was out of position, they were getting the ball wide and he was sitting far too narrow towards inside the 18-yard box when we need to go out and close the crosses down, especially when we were down to 10 men when they still had 11. Um, and if I'm being perfectly honest, I don't think he's even the standard of the league that we'll be playing in. I could see him dropping down to a championship level and that's not to say that he's not a good player because there's some great players in that division but I just don't think he's it's a it's a reflection on where we are right now that he is our first choice right back. Ho- hopefully you can hear me now. Yeah yeah. Okay. That, that, that's fine. Um I think that's a bit harsh on the on the fa- on the fellow uh, Colin. Um, the reason being Angie's watched him in training for 40 days since mm. Angie's been here and feels that he's the most competent right back that we've got at the moment. And wherever his future lie and that's for the future. But at the moment... As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. He's going to be wearing the number 56 jersey next week when we go to Denmark. And 
as you say, that maybe says more about where we are as a football club. But I've, I've, I don't think Ralston let us down last night. I never said he did. I said I thought he had a fairly decent game after a very rocky start. I mean, the first 10, 15 minutes, he's flying into a tackle basically on the um, the, the touchline of Midtjylland. Now, he gives away the foul, but if he doesn't give away the foul, your right back's 90 yards up the park. How How is that covering? You've got Callum McGregor in there covering him. He's For me, a- I, honestly, Kevin, I, like... It is a real shame because he does... I, I understand that... I mean, I got abuse online last night for some of the stuff I put out, but I got a lot of people agreeing with me as well. I think he does give us all, but he's not the standard that we're looking for. And it, it isn't a reflection on him, that the fact that he's getting picked, because who else is out there? Would Lee, Con- would Lee O'Connor have played last night? I don't think Lee O'Connor's fit to play. I think that's why you're seeing him in 15, 20 minute spells. I think he's still coming back from an injury. But if you had the two of them fully fit, head to head, you would be hoping that Leo Connor gets the nod every time. Can, can I just ask what you're basing that, the Leo Connor thing on? Because I've never seen him. So... I, watched, I watched him play for Tranmere last season. And he played 26 games at right back. He's played for his national team at right back. He's come through the under-21s at right back. He's come through the Manchester United development system at right back. When we signed him, it was him and Jeremy Frimpong that was signed at the time. And I remember that we were told that there's one of them that's going to make the breakthrough right away and one of them that was for the future. That one that we expected to make the breakthrough was actually O'Connor. Frimpong wasn't the one that was expected to come through. He was very, very highly rated at Manchester United. And to be honest, look, in the spells that I've seen him play for Celtic, he looks more competent on the ball and he looks as if he's got a lot more to give. So that's why I would go with him. But as I said, I don't think he's fit yet. Brian, what do you think? Colin quite rightly pointed out that um, Anthony Ralston is a bit enthusiastic at times uh, in the challenge. Do you think that is because he's, he knows that he's got doubters to prove? He's basically in his last chance saloon at Celtic uh, under Ange Postacoglu. He, he knows he's only got a year's contract. He knows he might only have four or five games to prove himself to be a decent addition to the squad. Do you think it's just over? he's just over-enthusiastic to try and prove himself? Ah, it's a mixture of both. I think obviously he's maybe a bit over-eager um, to say he was quite sloppy. Look, I don't think anyone's saying that he is the right back that Celtic should be aiming for. I think, I suppose the message is that he'd done well considering his limited skill set, which I think is a fair assessment. I don't think anyone's saying that he's particularly good or particularly bad. It's just very average and maybe harsh to say he should drop in the championship, but he's no, he's no the answer long term. We know that. But I think given the, the options... You couldn't have played Urigidi there. He's yeah. a good time knots, but you know what I mean? So I think I think Ralston in that position, you know, done well. And the thing is as well, like I'm not hundred percent sure we can judge him and Taylor on their positioning because they don't the way Ange plays it, they doesn't really play them as traditional fullbacks. A lot of the time they were almost dropping into the centre mid. And then Bombenfold and McGregor and Sorrow were pulling back. So I get sometimes I the defender should defend we know that but I think on occasion because sometimes he was almost in a number 10 role he was pulling in behind and I get the impression that's a, a deliberate thing 
So I don't that's a hundred percent down to him. But again, maybe he doesn't have the football uh, sort of nuance to, to realise when he dropped back and when to go. But again, listen, we're talking about a guy who we've all said is kind of average, but he never disgraced himself. He, he put in a good shift for me. He showed the right desire. It wasn't fault for the goal. Put in a couple of decent crosses. You know, it was a it was a probably six out of ten performance, and I don't think you can really expect more for a player like that. So, for him, good. For us, maybe not so much. Just on a sorry, Kevin, on a positive side to that, you mentioned Duragidi last uh, just there, Brian. Now, okay, Uragidis came in as a new signing, but how much a confidence boost is that for Dane Murray that he's been picked to play a competitive game, the first time he's played a competitive game in that position? And to be honest, he looked fairly comfortable when he came on. Um, and when you're looking at it with what happened with Beaton, him obviously being out for next week, Murray must be going, look, that's my jersey. I'm, I want to play in that position next Wednesday night. Indeed. Uh, some story, I think the, the, the story, of the fairy tale aspect of last night is Dane Murray, who came mm-hmm. and never put a foot wrong. He had a couple of challenges. You can see the way Celtic are going to need to defend this season. And yeah. you've got, you're going to need guys like Welsh and whoever's alongside Welsh to be able to put in challenges that are last ditch and be able to read the game and to be able to cover ground. And I thought Dane Murray acquitted himself very, very well last night. And now Mr Briggs comes in. Colin's 100% correct here on Ralston. Gives his all, but effort doesn't e- equal ability. We need better in that position. Um, CFC 1967 comes in with a completely different view. <laughs> he played all... He's talking about Leo Connor here. Leo Connor played all last season and had the same pre-season as Ralston, but Ange picked Ralston. Colin's views of players are highly questionable on here. <laughs> now, I, I, I think the truth is somewhere in the middle. Uh, somewhere in the middle there, but I think CFC probably backs my point in saying that if Leo Connor has trained as much as Ralston, Ralston's ahead of him in the pecking order here, and uh, and at that moment, I, I can't see how that's up for debate. I, I'm not 100 percent sure. Looking at the training videos, he's he's fit. Otherwise, I think you'd have seen more of him in pre-season. I, I, didn't want, I didn't want this to become a Colin Leo Connor bashing here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, that Leo Connor was capped against New- Jared Hackett. Leo Connor was capped against New Zealand when all our right backs weren't available. I'm Irish and want him to do well, but he's a long-term project. What does it say about uh, Uragidi as well? That who's, who's played who's played right back and centre half and as you we quite rightly says that Dame Murray got got on before him last night. What do you think about that call? Uh, that was the thing. I was sitting with my pals um, in a pub watching the game, and that was the first thing I said. I says, "What does that do to a guy's confidence when he's brought in there and someone who isn't a natural centre back plays ahead of him?" I mean, that's that's either going to be something which Uragidi takes on uh, his shoulders goes away and works as hard as he possibly can to make sure that if that scenario ever comes up again then he's never going to be the guy that's left on the bench um, but if you were going on pre-season form so far you can see why Dane Murray got the nod last night 
You, you can actually see that David Boyle comes in and says Leo Connor was injured. Brian, we've got a game at the weekend against West Ham. Would you go with the, the back four that's going to start next week in Denmark? No, just purely because you can't afford any injuries. So we're threadbare as it is. And if you're saying Ralston, Mills, Dane, Murray probably will start, um, Taylor... I think it'd be foolhardy to put them in against West Ham. What we better doing is starting the alternative back four if I vote such a thing. <laughs> in case someone stands up and, and, and is, you know, stands up in this county, then actually looks it looks the part. So you could see Urigidi right back, um, might play Bolly or uh, Montgomery left back, Helgen and then Craig <laughs> Scissor. Anyone? Maybe Beaton? Sure. Play him in a family show. I could play Shaw. So I think you play something like that. I mean, what's there may be a chance for some of them to take a claim and have a great performance, but I think I don't think you see anybody starting against West Ham that start against Mitchell. Do you think on that then that there's a chance for anybody who does play against West Ham to potentially play themselves in for a jersey in Wednesday night? Like, well, I think with the way Poster Coglu seems to go about his business, I think that's always the case, and I think. That goes back to the Dean Murray point because, you know, he's obviously shown up well in pre-season and Postacoglu's went, well, do you know what? Let's give your boy a chance. So I think if someone has a real good game and he's maybe any lingering doubts over the 11 he started last night, it could be the case they switched. Listen, the players have to have that in mind. If you're a player for Celtic and you're playing a friendly and there's a game coming up, you have to think, if I do really well, there's only a few players in that starting 11 last night that aren't. You know that you wouldn't consider replacing. There's enough there that are that you could maybe consider flipping. So I think it would be a good opportunity to improve themselves. I think this is a good time to bring up Daniel Mack's point. Any anyone coming in at centre back needs to take the jersey off Welsh. The guy was brilliant last night. What a rise Stephen Welsh has had since he's broken at the team since January. Eh, Colin? Oh, definitely. And I'm the first one to say that when he came in, at first I didn't think he was going to go on to do much. Um, I'd seen some of his performances on loan at Morton, although he was playing right back there, so maybe that's a discussion for another day. Um, I think he he was outstanding last night. He was uh, a real leader figure in that back line, considering how young the back line was. He was the one organising it all. Um, And again, I know we're hoping that we're looking to bring in Starfield, um, who we saw watching the game on his Instagram, which looked as if he was in a, a hotel maybe down south, which uh, would maybe mean that he's already in the isolation period. But Welsh, again, as the, the comment I just said, that jersey's his, and you're going to have to fight him to get it off him. That That's some rise, Brian, eh? when we think about when we were going into this season, that Stephen Welsh seems to have grabbed this opportunity with both hands, and he looks, well, last night, he looked like the, the most accomplished in that back foot. Ah, he looked great. Um, it's interesting with Welsh because when he first came into the team, it became the case of, oh, that, that boy's just a patchwork, he's one for the future. Then he go, people saying, well, actually, he's not really done anything wrong. Then he go, even further in, and went, actually, that boy's not too bad, and then now, last night, I thought it was excellent, so... I think he's had a progression. And when you talk about attitude, I think his attitude's been spot on for, for, for day one. You can see how much it means to him to play for Celtic. You can see he's trying to learn all the time. And the fact that, you know, the way he was talking to us through the game last night, I, I thought it was really impressive part of his game. I thought his tact 
I say thought he won the ball for. This week on the Marketers Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. The foul. He did. I thought he stacked him spot on. I thought he was strong, aggressive. And I think one of the things he's learned is he's no... He's not the biggest centre-half in terms of height. He's, I mean, he's strong, he's robust, but he's not trying to win every duel in the air. He's not committing fouls in the air the way he did at first. So I think he's learning all the time. And at his age, yeah, I think everybody's right so far. I think Starfield is currently play alongside him now. And then when Julian comes back, that's a real fight. But we also know that as well. He's, he's, no, he's not a stupid boy. He's going to understand that he's still relatively new and he has to play as well as he can every, sing, every single time he's won the park. And that'll keep his place. And also, I, I thought he was brilliant last night. I thought uh, him and Dean Murray looked like a, a decent partnership, actually. Um, I, was, I think I single-handedly started the Dean Murray CSC last night. I was waiting. <laughs> I think uh, him and Welsh looked like a solid partnership. And I'm really glad it's, it's a boy that's come through the ranks as well. That's something to be proud of. I think last night... Uh, Welsh showed leadership that we didn't know mm-hmm. was there, that, we, that yep. we didn't know was in them. And we were all worried about the Scott Brown leaving and who would step up to the plate. And always in my back of my mind, I, I thought you would see guys develop their characters because Scott Brown was such a massive presence in that dressing room. And I think when you saw Beaton getting sent off last night, you saw Welsh stepping up to that mantle to mm-hmm. go, I'm now one of the senior players in this team because I played a handful of games last season. I need to take control. I need to take this mantle here. And I thought he'd done it brilliantly, Colin. Aye, definitely. Um, you could see it. I mean, there was maybe one or two exceptions where he was the, the sort of last sitting defender when they were trying to play offside. But apart from that, he's telling players, you, you're you out there, you're out there. When he's got the ball, go there and I'll pass it to you. That was the kind of way that he was just commanding the four of them about last night. And it's not the first time we've seen him do it. He did it last season as well. Um, but he is really growing into this role. And um, look, as long as he continues to play well, then that jersey's his. Um, and I think that he's seen that there isn't any competition for them there and it's at that time when someone can start becoming complacent but not Welsh Welsh has actually went the opposite way to say that look I know you're going to be trying to bring in guys that play in my position but I'm going to be here and I'm first pick until I play out I play badly I love that attitude and I think um, the Facebook the Facebook user here comes in with this comment saying that we need to play the same back four against West Ham and again on Wednesday. I think that's down to the attitude of the squad. There was guys in that squad who played last night who have missed 
a few pre-season games and missed a lot of training. I think they'll be champing at the bit to actually have get at least 60 minutes against West Ham. And I think Poster Coglu might look at it that way himself. Uh, I agree with you, Kev, because he did come out after the game yesterday and said they'd only had one training session together. So the more time that they get together, the more they know how each other plays and they get to comfortable with the system. So I can understand that uh, the comment coming in there saying giving them 60 minutes. Um, although it, I'd rather that the team that plays on Saturday for the 60 minutes is actually the team that will start on Wednesday or the team that he expects to start. And Ian McAleer coming in with this comment, there's a couple of those that you'd say, are they going to be picks for Wednesday night? Right, the bottom line then, we'll, we'll talk about Ian McAleer's comment and for those who are listening on the audio podcast later on on the catch-up, Ian McAleer comes in and says, Eddie Barkas and Beaton should all be dropped for good. Brian, what do you think of that? I think Britain should be dropped for good. Well, I agree with that. Listen, I think... Uh, I think Beaton was a guy that uh, I don't have anything against him, but I just see he's on the future. And if you're going to have players playing that look decent, you might as well try and develop them a bit just now until we get someone else in. So <clears throat> probably I give you Beaton. Barcaster now. So this is what I feel my past 24 hours has been saying. Barcaster needs replaced. Right? He's not a good goalkeeper for me at all. He's I've never seen a left commanding keeper in the box. But and actually, I think probably Hazard's maybe the best shortstop at the three. However, I think just given the way Postacoglu plays, it's sensible to keep Barkas for the moment. So you can look at, there's two ways of looking at it. A lot of people say, oh, you just need to keep it to stop shots and that's it. But it's no simple as that because every player fits in different systems, right? Like Matty Ryan, and Fraser Foster are completely different keepers. Matt Ryan would be ideal because he can short, save short speed, command it and play it for the back. Um, you know, take passes in and, and be a bit more composed. Both that guy like Fraser Foster can do that. So Barkas does need replaced. Um, but if he doesn't get replaced, can he really rely on Bain for the season again? I, I don't think so. He doesn't seem to fancy, fancy Hazard. He's, he's very rarely featured at all in pre-season. Apparently there's rumours he's going to loan after signing a, a four-year extension last year. So mm-hmm. I think if you see between Barkas and Bain, there's probably much a muchness between the two of them. But I think Postacoglu favours Barkas. But again, just to clarify for everyone that gets excited, I'm not saying Barkas should stay forever. I don't think it's the best keeper in the world. I think he's rotten. I'm just saying that him and Bain, I would probably look towards Barkas. Or certainly I think Angie would look towards Barkas. What do you think of Chuck Barr's comment there, Colin? We need to see Connor Hazard till we buy a good goalkeeper. Well, each of the goalkeepers have their positives and their negatives. Um, and if you go back to the Scottish Cup final in December, we saw the, the negatives of Connor Hazard at times. It was the coming out and flapping at crosses, um, which we actually kind of seen Barkas do that a bit last night as well. Um, Bain, his shot stopping's not always seen as the best although he's more one that can play the ball out with his feet. Barkas is meant to be the, the probably the best shot stopper of the three, but you've not really seen it. I mean, I okay, he started to look 
all right in pre-season. You're thinking, right, OK, maybe he's turning the corner. But it was a sort of step, a case of two steps forward, one step back, or maybe even three steps back with that goal that went in last night. So you are in a position where are any of the three any better than any of the other two? Do you know what I mean? So would you play Hazard? He's probably third choice, isn't he? It does look as if he is going to go out on loan. So who have you got then? Is it going to be Bain that starts on, on Wednesday night? If it is, get him in on Saturday. So honestly, of the three, there's there's very little between them all at the minute. Hazard done well with the penalty saves in the cup final, but as G Murphy Seven comes in here to say, he was flapping for the for I think it was maybe two or maybe all three of the goals. I can't remember a hundred percent. The other aspect as well is like the, the Barkas. I think I think you're, you're actually spot on, Colin. Um, you're going to have to disagree about something today because we're, <laughs> we're still half an hour. We're still good, mate. <laughs> but I think uh, I think we're spot on there with the keepers. Your assessment. I think there's much of muchness. I think Hazard is the least likely to feature. Probably they're probably thinking Barkas and Bain are going to give you just as much. They're both as culpable to certain things as the other. I think that they probably think. If he dropped Marcas now, that might be him. Because you saw how quickly mm-hmm. he dropped last season. So they're probably thinking, until they replace him, play him and hope we get a tune. Which is, it's not an ideal situation, we know that. And it's almost like the right-back situation again. He should, he's never a, a Celtic calibre keeper. We know that. But until there's something better comes in, you're probably looking to stick with him. I mean... <laughs> Paul just decided to put up a comment there asking what Arthur Boric was up to. Uh, I don't think anybody wants to know. (laughs) (laughs) He's retired Uh, now. (laughs) It's before the watershed, so we can't can't (laughs) get into what Arthur Boric uh, might be up to at this precise moment in time. There's two comments here about the goalkeepers. Jeff Payne comes in and says, aside from Foster, who is decent and that is available, and Powerman1988 says... one nothing with Barkas and Bain. Just go out and get a get a keeper. Plenty of them about. Must have the three worst keepers in the league. Now that's probably an extreme view, saying that we've got the three worst keepers in the league. But what I'm looking at is everybody automatically defaulted back to Fraser Foster last night because of the Alan Nixon story at the weekend that appeared in the Sun. And for me, we didn't hear a post a until. F- 40-50 days ago, say, right? Mm-hmm. I'm sure Posta Coglu knows a goalkeeper who can actually fit his system and can actually play, who, if he feels that he needs a goalkeeper, he will be in at Don Mackay's door going, I want this guy in and he is available. Colin, you would like to think that he would be Posta Coglu would be doing that, eh? Aye, and look, I think when it comes to the goalkeeper situation, maybe his system comes second. And the fact that it's someone that can keep the ball out of the net and you want a goalkeeper that can actually win you points throughout the season. That's what I'm looking for. I mean, you saw what happened when Brendan Rodgers came in. One of his first signings was Doris De Vries. And he brought in Doris De Vries for the reason that he's good with the ball at his feet. But he also shipped in seven goals in the new Camp and was pretty poor throughout the rest of his time at Celtic. So I think you can develop a player's ball skills. Watch what you're saying here, Kevin. You can develop a player's ball skills, right? Especially the goalkeeper. But make sure that he keeps the ball at the net, first of all. 
because guys like Fraser Foster can win you 12, 15 points a season. You just look at what Alan McGregor's doing for Rangers. The amount of points that he saved them over the time that he's been back there is... It, it just shows you and he's not one that's great with a ball at his feet either so if they want to play out for the back he's not the guy they're going to go to but I'd rather have a clean sheet than have a guy that's good with a ball at his feet I think one of the, the so f- I mean I, I think there's no been a great team in history one sent me a bad goalkeeper you always need uh, <laughs> loves you uh, you always need a, a, a top goalkeeper that's no doubt and of course, they want the priority to be shot-stopping. But a guy like Fraser Foster at 33, you're not developing anything with the big man now. So you're right, you can get a... Pl- there's plenty of keepers out there. The way, the way everyone wants to play like Pep Guardiola now, right? So there's keepers all over the world that are shot-stoppers but can play, you know, be comfortable on the ball as well. That's what you need. You need a good shot-stopper that's comfortable. And that can be hard to find. It's not that unusual. Foster, for me... Has been that guy, and I love him. He's a brilliant shortstopper, but you're never going to get him any better with his feet at this stage. He's 33. Do you know what I mean? He's not going to get any, so he isn't the answer for me. But yeah, I can't, I can't disagree. You need to keep the ball at the net first. But there's so many keepers now coming through. You know that want to you know, shortstop and be comfortable on the ball. It can be hard to find, and as we spoke about, guys like, like Matt Ryan, he'd be an ideal. There's got to be a million keepers out there like that. So I think I agree with you in as much that we need to get a new keeper. I don't think Foster's the answer. But there's got to be keepers out there that, that can play the ball, surely. Yeah. Surely a prerequisite in it in the modern day game. It's like oh. second half now, it's like you talk about systems. If Bobo Baldi was brilliant for Martin the side because he was told heed the ball, tackle somebody, and don't pass it to anybody, right? That was his game. Now, he's not going to fit into Man City's way of playing because they rely on their defenders to play the ball. So, good defender hasn't been enough. Good goal player hasn't been enough. I used the analogy earlier. Alan Shearer, he's pomp. One of the best strikers I'll ever see. Never run outside the box. He wouldn't have fit into Pep Guardiola's Barcelona, say. Because of a different system. So, just because you're a great player doesn't make you fit into a good system. However, there's plenty of keepers out there plenty of keepers that fit into post the system that are better shot stoppers than Barkas we just need to find one of them and bin this Foster idea they point going back away I, I, I got I got a, a a bit of I was rightly pulled up when I says Barkas didn't have a safety mate last night he had one safety mate and he didn't make it and, I, mm. and, 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 I'll, and I'll gladly take that point off on when I watched it again this morning um, I still don't understand what he was doing uh, I gave him the benefit of the doubt last night, only seen it in a couple of replays. I thought maybe the Danish player had jumped in front of him, one of our defenders had jumped in front of him, and he had completely lost the flight of the ball. But that's not the case. He sees the ball clearly all the way through, and what it looks like to me is he thinks the ball's going by the post, mm-hmm. and he pulls it and, and he pulls his hands away. And for me, that's unforgivable. If he's going for that ball, he's got to actually get a hand on it and punch it. Colin, what, what do you feel about that? What, ah, was, what, what, what was your thought? It looks a more horrendous mistake this afternoon ah. than it, what it did last night. Ah, and I guess that's always the case. You even see it with some bad tackles where the more you see it, the worse it looks. But in real time, it did look bad. Um, I have to say that it was credit to 
um, Mitchelland last night because they targeted Barkas from the word go. See, when you see in the corners, there was three or four of their players around Barkas trying to stop them from getting out to them. Um, so they knew what to do. Not to say that Jonas Lossel was much better in the, the Michelin goal as well. I thought he was having a Barkas impression um, with some of the times that he came out to try and catch a ball. But look, it, it's not ideal. It, it wasn't ideal. And he can say that he thought it was going wide or whatever. And you can't kind of defend it, unfortunately. I honestly think, though, maybe being in goal doesn't let that in. That was my first thought when I seen it. Do, do, do you not think that that though I remember Ben losing a goal at Ibrox in the first two minutes aye when when he watched the ball going over his head I think Scott Bain's got his faults as well he definitely does aye it's how it's how Ange Postacoglu manages this situation for the next seven days Brian which is going to either sink or swim back, back at, see? absolutely and that's why I'm saying earlier I think Unless there's a new keeper comes in, who's going to be his number one for the season, I think you swap him like for like with Barkas and Bain. He said if you swap them, you're going to damage Barkas's confidence even more, and he doesn't look a particularly confident keeper anyway. So for that reason, would they drop him? But I, I mean, I, he, he's going to be right up there. I know the, the guy earlier. I can't remember his name. Said we've got the three worst keepers in the league. I don't. I think that's harsh, but. Is Barkas in the three worst goalkeeper Celtic said? I don't know, but he's certainly one of the best, is he? So I think, um, yeah, I, I think a change is needed, but I think if you drop him at this stage without a viable replacement, it's a waste of your time. Tan Houser 67 actually makes the point I was going to bring up next. Chevy Enko still follows Celtic. You had a word. With, you had a word with the free kick taker just before the the, the, the free kick last night. He must have. He must have told him to drop it on the goalie. I actually thought that after the goal when you when you saw Bagheric going across and having a word. I think Bagheric told the boy have a go here. Mm-hmm. Put, have a go, and you, you might get a you, you might get might get a reward. And that's that's just good coaching if they've targeted Barca saying that he's weak at set plays put the ball on top of him and it's something that uh, it's, it's something that like um, Ange Postacoglu is going to need to sort out now if we, if we move on a bit Postacoglu was very harsh on himself post game last night I thought when he was talking about I'll read what he says he says we will be better prepared no doubt in eight days time in fact I don't think we'll, we will ever be as badly prepared as we were tonight and that's on me Going into such an important game, we have eight more days, and I feel confident in the preparation and the and the spirit we have. We'll, we'll put we will put in a good performance. I haven't done a great job so far, to be honest, because with the disruptions we've had, we haven't been able to bring players in. My role is to try and reinforce the squad and to try and prepare the squad for what is ahead. And to their credit, the players didn't look for excuses. Now. Poster Coglu saying, I haven't done a great job so far, to be honest. I think the big man's been really, really harsh on, on himself. What do you think, Colin? Yeah, I agree, but I kind of like that. I like the fact that he's harsh on himself because it tells you the standards that the guy's got. And if you're not hitting his standards, then he's going to let you know about it. 
as I said earlier on, his honesty is really refreshing. The fact that he's very honest with the fan base, maybe you don't want him to be so honest with the media, but it's good because you know the fans are going to hear it. Um, no, I, I like that. I like the fact that he, he's got very, very high standards. And even yesterday, after the game, a lot of fans are coming away going, do you know what? That's a lot better than what we expected. Um, we've certainly upped it from the pre-season games. Things are looking good, and I'm just going. Well, if you think that's good, just wait till I get to my level because it will be even better. Brian, what do you think? Uh, Poster Coglu's uh, comments to the written press last night after the game. Well, I think it's it's interesting. I think that there was a I, I don't know who said that. Oh, it was Robin van Persie. He was talking about when he was going to see his son play football. And he was taking him home in the car. And his son was complaining about the ref and the other players and looking past the ball and blah, blah, blah. And Van Persie said to him, you sound like a loser. He's like, if you want to be a loser, keep complaining. You want to be a winner, look inside, see what you can do better. Don't blame anyone else. Look at yourself. We've had managers before that throw their arms up all the time and shout at people and blame people and throw players under the bus. Of the Congress took it on himself and his shoulders and said, it's, it's me. I'm not good enough now. I think he's been harsh on himself from an outside perspective. But the fact that he's looking at that, and we think he's done a pretty good job, reasonably speaking, so far, he's looking at that and going, no, that's not me good enough. We need to do far better than this. Love that. Absolutely love that. Mm-hmm. And um, I think as well, I think the fact that, you know, he, he never gave Barkas and, and Beaton an absolute, you know, never threw them under the bus to the press, never really criticised them, he defended them. I thought that was class. They might have kicked their heads in the dressing room, which you probably would have, but you always defend your players to the press, and I think that shows a, a touch of class. And I think it's well, if you're one of those players, you're determined to back them after that, aren't you? Definitely, Colin. What do you think of those comments? Ah, I mean, we've not had anything to disagree with yet, Brian. I'm sure we've still got time to do so, but uh, no, look, he, he is, he's shown that class about him, that it is his responsibility. He is the head of the footballing department. So if things don't go right on the park, it falls on him. But there was a lot that went right there as well. I just hope that the, the focus, once he comes away from the press and all that, is like, look, I've covered you here. Let's get back into work. This is what worked. This is what didn't work. Let's go and fix it. I says at half-time last night, it was a, an early big moment for Poster Cogu in that dressing room at half-time, down to 10 men in a European qualifier and how his team would react in the second half. And I thought we reacted well up until a point, um, up until we actually lost the goal. And I don't think it was a case of the heads went down. I just think it was a case of there's a lack of fitness in that side to actually keep the intensity that Postacoglu wants us to have to the final whistle. I also felt that we were a bit light light on the subs, and there wasn't you have James Forrest if a, a fully flying James Forrest to come on in the last 15-20 minutes would have made a difference yeah. and we, we can we can argue the merits of guys like Dembele and Mikey Johnson to the cows come home but having them as wide options to come on to try and stretch the game would have, would have, gave, would have been better last night in the subs that we did bring on and that's not to say the subs that we did again, the subs that we brought on last night it seemed to post the Coggle going for his more experienced players 
He mm-hmm. says, right, I'll bring, I'll bring on Ayeti. But I'll also bring on a Big Tom, Tom because I know that he could produce something special. Do you think that we're going to get an extra year of uh, Tom Rogic now? That the fact that Postacoglu is here, Colin? Yeah, I think so. I also don't think there's much interest in him either. So unless something comes in in the next sort of what what we got left eight weeks of the window, I think we'll see Rogic stay here for another season. Um, again, it's not someone that we've seen a lot of in pre-season so far, so we don't kind of know what he's got himself up to uh, in terms of his fitness and his sort of match readiness. But if you can get Tom Rogic firing, then he's a great addition to having that side. I just want to speak about the midfield because I think they were one of the, the more impressive parts of our performance last night. I thought Callum McGregor was given a, a freedom that we spoke about when he played for Scotland. The fact that he didn't have to sit so deep, Sorrow done really well in coming in and linking the defence to the midfield last night. And you saw it when he smashed the ball against the bar. That's the Callum McGregor we've been screaming out for for the last 12 to 18 months because you know that when you get him in front of goal, there's very few people in the league that's got a better left foot from range than Callum McGregor. You can tell, Brian, eh, that Callum McGregor's character might shine through now that puts Scott Brown's not there, eh? I actually thought he looked a lot more vocal last night as well than, than maybe I've seen him for a while. I think he's, he's really embraced the, the, the captainship. And, and yeah, he, he looked to have a sort of freer role, I think. Soro was excellent. He was an absolute workhorse. And I know he's got his flaws, but the covering he'd done and, and some of the runs he made, the, the long boss and runs, that boy was all over the place. Um, I, I, I was full of pace for Tumble as well last night. I thought you really saw his football intelligence at points. Mm-hmm. I thought, you know, a lot of clever balls. You don't think he's often composure. You know, when players are closing down to keep the ball and sort of on his way out. And also thought he looked, you know, a bit more aggressive than normal. He won the ball back a few times. He's put himself about. So, uh, so yeah, there's, there's loads of positives. And I think, I think it's Colin alluding to uh, as Kev said earlier that I think we did start to fade towards them, but I think that's a fitness thing because they worked so hard all over the park and. I think there's so much to look forward to, and of course the Coldplay thinks there's much, much more to come, and that's the worst performance we're going to see this season. Hey, I think I think we're going to do all right. Yeah. What, I, what I liked about his statement, he says, we will be better prepared, no doubt. The fact is, he says, he doesn't want to go into a major game like this unprepared. And we're maybe actually getting ahead of ourselves, but Brian, you said something really, really good last night. It's not about the next 40 minutes, it's about the next 40 months under Postacoglu. And if we are looking that far ahead, if we're going into European qualifiers at this point next year under Postacoglu, you've got to think that he will make sure that we're ready, just judging by that statement right away. It's like a, it's like a mission statement, a statement of intent that we will not be in this state again at this point. Colin, that's that's something you've got to get on, on board with. Got to, something that you've got to get on, get on its back, eh? 100% and you've got to think if you're a player and you're hearing this coming from Postacoglu as well he, he does sound like the guy that you want to run through walls for and some of them players did literally look as if they ran through walls last night um, guys that hadn't played I think Ryan Christie had only played 15 minutes in pre-season maybe, maybe slightly more but he lasted the full 90 and he didn't look as if he was that tired towards the end of the game he was still looking for the ball and um, 
Sorrow, again, outstanding. As Brian is saying, the lung bursting runs, the only thing about Sorrow, and it's very Scott Brown-esque when he moved to Celtic, is see when he's not got the ball, he can cause a bit of trouble. Uh, this kind of getting into tackles where he's got no chance of winning it, the kind of climbing all over players to try and win the ball back, that needs to be coached out of him. He needs to be a lot smarter in that because if he does that in the Scottish League, he's going to pick up a yellow card every week. So he needs to work on that. But when he was on the ball, the turn, the move, he always wanted to go forward. Um, even when he picked the ball up with his back to um, the Mitchell and goal, first thing to do was to turn around and see who's in front of him to play the passes. So he, he was impressive on the ball. Like I'm just saying that he's going to be more prepared in eight days' time. It's not going to be new players that we've got. It's going to be the fitness of the guys that's already there. So <laughs> good luck to the boys that's going to be doing the training for the next eight days because that sounds as if it's going to be hell. Uh, that then, that's what they get paid for. They're paid to be professional true. football players. True. It's true. There, there, there was an interesting article on the Celtic Way, the, the new website that Tony Haggerty writes for. And it was by Alison McConnell and she was talking about Martin O'Neill and Rogers and the changes that they made to the club when they came in. And it got me thinking, and I, I'm not the poster coggle experiment could go completely wrong, but in these first couple of weeks as a Celtic manager, I think we see a man of stature. I think we see a man of conviction and a man that demands respect. And I know beforehand that I mean, like, this could come back to bite me. And it has, we've seen plenty of pers- good, strong personality managers fail in football because the players don't believe in them and it's all down to getting the players they believe. But when you look back to somebody like Cassinia or Tony Mowbray, they didn't seem to have the presence of Apostle Coglu. Apostle Coglu's coming in there going, I believe in what I'm doing what I do, what I've been done before has been successful and it's my way or the highway. He has got a presence about him and hopefully the players buy into that, eh, Brian? Absolutely, yeah. I think, you know, when he's talking about preparation, I think the frustration he seems to have had is the fact that it's the frustration that we've all had is the fact that even though the club near this qualifier was coming up, we're not prepared. There's no just him that's not prepared. I think it's the, the club in general for signings and I actually think that'll be one of the things that him and I, uh, Don McKay will change towards next season. I'd say before, I've, I've got low expectations for this season. and I'm not saying that's acceptable for Celtic, you know, not to be going for the title, but I just feel like when you look at everything behind the scenes that has to change, it's, it's going to take six months to get that in place and then a full six months to, to, to get used to it. Um, I made a quip last night. I said, I don't think Don McKay's ever forgot to get his kids' presents at Christmas. I don't think any of the board have ever forgot to get their kids' presents at Christmas. And the reason is, it comes the same day every year. So they go shopping October, November and get it done in plenty of time to keep the kids happy at Christmas. I want to be kept happy in the summer in the Champions League qualifiers. They should be shopping and they should be arranging it because they know what's coming. And I think I think that's one of the big changes we'll see. But, but yeah, I think Postacoglu and Don McKay have kind of said... Well, they've actually explicitly said they intend to put a structure in place that's going to last for the next 10 years. The hashtags that they keep putting out is future is our focus, isn't it? That's the big one. So they're, they're telling you this is a long-term thing. I'm not saying, by the way, don't get excited for this season. 
future's a focus, but it's implicit. And look, I think I think Portugal will do far better than maybe we expect this season. But I think over the next you know forty six months is where you see the, the structural changes, the staffing changes, the scouting changes. You know, like for players that maybe you feel fit that system more. So there's a lot more to come. And go back to the initial point. I, I don't think he's anything to be ashamed of the way he's performed the past 40 odd days as manager. Celtic seem to have the, the feeling that, like most most people who have kids and have to buy them Christmas presents, that the fashionable things always become cheaper after Christmas, so you always wait to January <laughs> to buy them. Eh? So that that's uh, that, that's where the Celtic board come, come for that. Colin, what's your general feelings about Postacoglu at the moment? Well, there was one thing he said last night, and I think it was in his interview with BBC Scotland, um, where he came out and said that there's a lot of things that they need to do better, um, and one of them was getting in the players to support what he's got. And he says, so far we've not been quick enough. We need to change that. And I believe that they, they have already started to make moves behind the scenes to change how quick they can get the deals in. Um, so, look... These guys that are coming in, we're looking at like Furuhashi coming in from Japan. Looks a fantastic talent, but it's going to take two weeks to get him in. Starfield looks as if he's already um, doing his isolation down south. I think Furuhashi arrived in London yesterday as well. But it is another two weeks to, to get these guys in. So if you're going to have someone who's going to be part of the qualifiers going forward... The deal needs to be done now. Even though you can't get anyone in for the second leg, you can get them in for the next round if you get if you time it right. So they do have to make the the kind of movements behind the scenes, which means that these guys that are busting their gut at the minute know that there's strength coming in behind them. And the fact that Ange has been very vocal about that, that's been something I've been really impressed with. So overall, we're starting to see, as Brian's saying, this transition into a new way of Celtic working but it's very, very early stages. It's extremely early stages and everything could go wrong very, very quickly, just as, just the same as everything could go right very, very quickly. Red Scotland comes in um, and it's about the backroom staff. Now, there were some, about a week and a bit ago, there was, there was a story blew up about he was going to keep Kennedy and he was happy and, and that. So Red Scotland brings us up. If I'm just happy to have Kennedy by his side, then we have to respect that. Maybe Kennedy's abilities will come to the fore more with Ange than with Lenny. Now, th- there was a there was a picture doing the rounds last night of just after the goal <laughs> where John Kennedy looks like he's staring into the abyss. Um, what, what's, your, what's your general feelings, Brian, about Postacoglu keeping the backroom staff. My view is, is when he says that Kennedy and, and Gavin Strachan were going to stay on, he never changed what he says at his original press conference. He says that he'll review things as they as they are ongoing. And when he says, yes, they're going to be there until he decides otherwise, I don't think there's been a change in message since he first sat down and faced the Celtic support. No, me either. And I think that actually... What you see is, I think he's going to have the attitude to staff, he's got to players. I think over the next few months, if he feels they're not to scratch, I think he'll bend them off. I, I don't think he's going to, he's no loyalty to them. But, well, two, two points I want to make. The first one, see that picture? People need to calm down with that. It was just a bad shot. There's a picture taken seconds before and he's got a big smile on his face. The guy just looks kind of dull. He, he is just one of those guys that looks kind of fed up. 
right? He just does. There's nothing you can do about that. He's just got that look. He does conspiracy nonsense. He's after Andy Foster's job and Foster's Foster called the setup to be a party so John Kennedy can come in. It's all part of the plan. Shut up. Wrap it. It's nonsense, right? That's yeah, everyone that's done it. It's nonsense. Second point, Rogers, uh, when he was there, raved about Kennedy. Now, if you look at how, and I'm not comparing them explicitly, but the style of uh, a play that Kennedy wanted to do was the same as what Rogers done. That's at a passing, high press, tempo stuff. And you can see there's similar thoughts in how Angie presents his team. So you can imagine if Kennedy fitted that mould under Rogers, there's no reason to say he couldn't fit it under Post Coglu. Um, Gavin Strachan, I'm still not up sure what Strachan does. Um, he had his laptop back last night, which I, I can't believe I thought somebody dropped that. I was getting worried for him. Um, but Dan Murray, Murray, Murray looked interested in the iPad. They were playing Angry Birds, mate. That's what yeah. happened. <laughs> uh, he, he had a Mario 64 emulator and he was, he was letting him a wee shot that before he went on. Ooh, but, uh, <laughs> but as I say, look, in all seriousness, I think if the, the backroom staff aren't doing the job, I think they'll be out. I don't get I don't get the impression Poster Coggle is going to take second best at anything. So, you know, it might be a surprise. He might have somebody else's assistant and Kennedy just back as coach or whatever. But, listen, if it works, brilliant. Um, if it doesn't work, then we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But I'm not concerned over there. I, I may have missed this during the close season calling, eh? But I was quite surprised to see uh, Stephen McManus still in the dugout and mm-hmm. Stephen McManus taking uh, a big part in when the shoes went down to 10 men. It seemed to be him and Poster Coglu were having a conversation. I did look as if he was his man, didn't it? He, uh, he did, kind of kept turning to him. Fair enough. I mean, if that's, I mean, he's going to make his decision. So it might turn around that he says, right, McManus is my man. Kennedy's my man's tracking. We'll find another job for you. I'm going to bring in someone else that I've worked with before. But we said this but when he got announced at first. He did an interview a couple of years back um, for an Australian podcast, and he says when he moves to a new team, he never has the same setup of staff. He always works with new staff because he's looking for new ideas that can add to his own. But at the end of the day, he's got the final say. So he'll decide whether I'm going to keep him or I'm not going to keep him. So I seen a comment coming in just there that says basically he's got these guys on trial just now. That's mm-hmm. that's the best way to describe it. He has, he's got them on trial. Uh, a trial might be a couple of weeks, it might be a couple of months, but eventually he'll make his mind up and he'll say yes, yes, no, or no, 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 and bring in all the other guys. But he is getting someone at the minute, or he's getting a team at the minute who's got a very, is uh, very familiar with the, the guys, is helping them integrate because there is a massive rebuild going on, so you do need some familiarity in there as well. But you never know, it might be McManus and Postacoglu and two other guys that come in. Luckily, it's not going to be Kevin Muscat because he's got Andrew's old job. <laughs> David Kelly, um, I think we need to put this one to bed, boys. Eh? David <laughs> Kelly, every club uses iPads. I don't know why Celtic fans seem so obsessed with that. It's real game. It's real time game stats. That's why Turnbull keeps coming off. The stats tell the coaches he is knackered. I think us slagging the iPad has become a bit of a trope. And it's just something that we were going to make jokes jokes about because last season it, it became such a big thing 
<laughs> with what is he doing with that laptop? What I mean, especially the, there was pictures, we all three of them just having a look at it at one point, eh? And we all know it's real time stats. And it's just something to actually keep it a bit light, eh? We're just always going to say what they're watching on the iPad, they're uh-huh. watching rerun the Gilmore girls or whatever they're actually doing, <laughs> eh? But it's we, we understand that progressive clubs do use modern technology, and we do know that the iPad is connected to the analytical cam, it's on top of the main stand and mm-hmm. they are then they are getting real time stats and maybe Poster Coglu will use that far better than Neil Lennon. Maybe he'll maybe he'll take it far more serious in what Neil Lennon maybe did. What do you think, Brian? Hi last night, David Kelly, thanks for commenting. It's just a joke, pal. We're, we're only we're only having a wee, a wee laugh there. Um yeah let's Poster Coglu said he hates using teams and Zoom and stuff like that. So I imagine he'll just sort of take you know the advice is it's <laughs> as it's uh, as it's given. So, but I don't think it's a huge issue. And as I say, if it works, it, it, it works. It's not a it's not a big thing. It's just a just a joke. Just like Scott House comment there. Damn, that looks a bit. That is a joke, Scott. By the way, because I'm not. But <laughs> I, th- I think I think Poster Coglu will use the data. For what we've, what we've read about him and heard about him, he's a big man on data. Maybe he doesn't like using teams, but if they if some if he's got somebody there who's an expert telling him, by the way, this data has shown this, I think he will actually use it. Uh, ridiculers, or whatever how you say that, crying out for moderation while modernization while Colin Strachan laptop boy was peak axum. Aye, it was. It was peak. Excellent. It goes over and, people's heads, doesn't it? It just. Uh, it does, it, 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 <laughs> you know, you, you just you do that. It's supposed to be joke. It's all right. I mean, maybe that was a problem. Maybe we should have went to Galaxy, uh, Samsung Galaxy rather than iPads. But maybe we should stop using yeah. Apple products. I, I tell you, my biggest. I tell you, the thing that impresses me most is the fact that they got a Wi-Fi signal in there. If you've ever tried to connect yeah, to yeah. Celtic Park <laughs> Wi-Fi, it is shocking. <laughs> <laughs> it is that definitely. And hopefully we'll find hopefully we'll find out how shocking it is very, very soon, Colin. Um Right, I think we've had I think we've been quite positive today, been quite lighthearted. Mm-hmm. All's good at the moment in, in the Celtic world. Um but we've still got a long way to go and we look forward to the weekend against West Ham. And we'll be back next Wednesday to preview the the, the setting leg against Mitchell and, the moves, mm-hmm. and we'll see what bombs we can drop then I just want to thank you for joining us and subscribe you, you, oh, oh, just as I say <laughs> that Paul bring that up what, sorry Paul okay, and I just want to say just before we wrap up I just wanted to um, to praise the club actually for the footage that they put out today from Charlie Gallagher's funeral uh, a legend of the club and they really well they Sorry, my language is terrible here. They were very good at promoting um, the thing. They posted it on their social media channels and um, looking at the crowd that was at Celtic Park to give them a farewell, it was outstanding. So a big well done to everyone who done that. Definitely. Charlie was a legend and, and his corner kick started the Dropstein revolution and we should never never forget that. So our thoughts are with Charlie's family at the moment, a true Lisbon line that he was. Thanks for everybody. Thanks for everybody for tuning in. Thanks for commenting. Thanks for taking part. Remember to subscribe to the YouTube channel for the prize draw, which will be taking place at the end of this month. And I just want to thank everybody. Thanks very much. See you all later.
It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.